Yo, welcome in to the Fantasy Bros NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Jason. Joining me as always is my co-host, brother, Ambro, baby Jake. Baby Jake, what do you got for the people? What's up, y'all? Thanks for joining us on another week here. Fantasy Bros NFL Podcast. That's right. So we've been watching the games all day. Well, for the most part, we did pop over to baby Jake's new house, tear up some carpet, do a little renos. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we were pretty much plugged in for the noon games. We're playing catch-up on the afternoon games. But we thought we would hop in here and take a look at our massive $25 double-up. This is that entry that we created on the episode Friday night. And we're just going to run through it here. Started off, let's say, our quarterback. We went with Jalen Hurts. I believe I made that call. <laughs> that was my guy. The cheat code that was finally not the cheat code for once this week. Didn't have to do a whole lot. For them, their uh, running game did most of the work there. Next pick, bro, I believe you had the next shot there. Yeah, I don't remember who I even took next. I think I probably plugged in Dan Arnold. He was the cash lock tight end for the week. And you see a little flame over here. He scored 14.8. That's not a slate-breaking output, but when he comes in at $2,800, that's essentially all you need right there. Now, he was 43.5% owned, and this was a cash game, a double-up. So that's actually lower than I was kind of expecting. A lot of players maybe swapped off that were out of the money to try to get contrarian and try to make it into the money. I think that was my next pick. Yeah, back to Jake's pick here. Jalen Hurts, 39% owned in the cash game. Only 11 points. I believe they did have four rushing touchdowns. And, I mean, Jalen Hurts is always a threat to run the ball. So those could have gone to him. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of them were zone reads where he gave it instead of pulled it. He could have pulled it and he could have scored two, three, four touchdowns. But you look here, only 103 passing yards, 71 rushing yards. So, again, he's that dual threat. This was a floor game for him, and he still got us 11 points. Jake, I think you were probably next up. I'm not sure who you took. Maybe here? Probably Hendo. I'll say Darrell Henderson there. I'm sure everyone knew that he was going to be chalk. He ended up putting out points, though, and made everybody feel good about making him as their pick. I mean, he had a receiving and a rushing touchdown. Can't complain when a running back does that. I'm wondering why we took David Johnson, I guess. Because that that was you. I know that was your call. David Johnson was my pick. So this, again, we drafted this lineup on Friday night, and Mark Ingram had been traded earlier in the week. So I thought that this would be someone, I'm telling myself, okay, at $4,200, he is the cheapest starting running back that we'll likely see barring any injuries this season, right? $4,000 is the minimum salary. So my thought was, Either he's going to get steamed because of the trade and he'll be a cash pick, which, great, we love, or, you know, a a high-owned player, which is fine. We love owning those. Or we get him at 4,200 as a contrarian play, and then we fill the rest of the lineup out with cash, chalk plays. So that was the process there. Now, he ended up with negative one receiving yard, four rushing yards. He only got his one point. Clearly a terrible play. Doesn't want to be a baller. No, he doesn't even want to be the starting running back. But 4,200 starting running back, he only garnered 2.5% ownership. Like I said, I could have seen that getting steamed up into the double digits, which at that point, then you just want to stay with the field. And since he was low owned, let's say that he did even get us 10 points. You know, that's the difference between us making the cash line and missing it. You see over here, the cash line was 141. We came in at 133. So that really was the pick that did us in. Yeah, it separated us from the rest of the field. 
in a bad way this week. But and that's on me again. Last week I uh, talked Jake off a of Cooper Cup. Luckily we still cashed, and now this week David Johnson. So I got to get it together, guys. I'm sorry. I'm letting the team down. I'm letting the brand down. Uh, next guy, I want to say I threw Godwin in. I'm sure we both would have picked him. Yep. 52.5%. Their game is still going on here. There's a minute left. But he's already got 31 points for us. 140 yards and a receiving touchdown. So, great pick. Can't go wrong playing him. And, you know, over half the field did. Yeah, with Antonio Brown out, him or Mike Evans were a big pick for anybody. Godwin, I believe, came in cheaper. So, he's the more popular pick there. Yeah, Godwin came in at 6,400. And you got to remember that they are playing the Saints. Marcus Lattimore typically shadows the X receiver for the opponent. So another reason to fade Mike Evans. Mike Evans was coming in at 7K. Godwin 600 cheaper. And Godwin had a better matchup. Marshawn Lattimore. Marshawn Lattimore. I just don't want us to get trolled or anything like that. You know, can't pronounce names right, say names right. So What did I say? Marcus. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm losing it. I'm worse at names than I thought. Another guy we were both really high on, like I'm saying we co-picked it probably, was uh, T. Higgins. Yep. He came in 32%. We were really high on him since after last week he had 15 targets. Comes out, had a pretty good game. As you can see here on our screen, he was at 97 receiving yards, so he was just shy of the 100-yard bonus there. Would have had a couple more points onto his total. Would have mm-hmm. been very nice. Um, another receiver there, DJ Moore. I think everyone was pretty high on him, but I don't know. The field, I guess, for this uh, double up was not as high on it as I, I would have guessed. I mean, I thought it just made sense. I'm wondering if a lot of people switched out of that because maybe they had Calvin Ridley going too, and then DJ Moore. Well, they don't. Really, you don't really need to bring back, I guess, in cash. But we had DJ Moore. <laughs> now I'm like, I don't, I don't. It doesn't really make sense to me, I guess. I, I like as the much DJ. As I yeah, I like the DJ Moore pick because he was popping in the projections, um, and that seventy-two hundred receiver range. Those are typically receivers that you can count on to have high floors. But I think the field was off of him because you could get down to Godwin for sixty-four hundred, and you could use that salary elsewhere. You could get up and running back instead of playing David Johnson. We could have got up to even a Michael Carter at forty-nine hundred, who had I believe thirty-three points. So we go down from DJ Moore to. Keenan Allen or a Cortland Sutton, you know, Calvin Ridley comes to mind, but obviously he ended up sitting out. So that's my thought. Someone probably went down. We also didn't play Brandon Cook, so I think was probably a pretty chalk mm-hmm. receiving option. So think about that. If we take DJ Moore down from a 7,200 receiver to a 5,700 Brandon Cooks, that gets us, what, $1,500? So that could get this David Johnson pick here all the way up to maybe a Chuba Hubbard. Um, yeah, at Chuba, least Damian Harris in that range, or we could have gone with like an Elijah Mitchell at fifty four hundred, mm-hmm. or a Chris Carson at fifty three hundred. I don't know how Carson ended up playing, but I liked him coming into the slate. Chris Carson played, not Carson. I'm sorry, Alex Collins. I'm sorry, Alex Ooh, Collins. These damn names. I know <laughs> names. I'm thinking teams. I'm thinking positions, and then I'm saying random words in for the names. Now, Alex <laughs> Collins. Sorry. <clears throat> Defense. We just went with Cleveland. Pretty good contrarian pick there to separate us from the rest of the field. Didn't do spectacular, but, I mean, they went positive, so it's better than one of my lineups <laughs> I had today. I had the Lions D, negative four. Yeah, I'm really surprised that the Browns defense wasn't more heavily owned. They came in at 3K, which, coming into the year, Jake and I like to pay up to get to that 
upper 2000, lower 3000 range to be contrarian. But as the weeks have gone on, it seems like that's been more popular. And you have the Browns playing at home against division rival Pittsburgh. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, he's, he's a ghost. The guy is nowhere near where he used to be. So, yeah, I think we were thinking Cleveland would be good for a couple sacks. And when you're getting to the quarterback, you're putting pressure on the quarterback, that's when turnovers are you know prone to happen. So that was the thought there. You got any other thoughts here on this lineup? Otherwise, we can kind of take a look at the top at the winning lineup here. No, I'd, yeah, let's mosey on over to the top. See what we got for some of the people that were cashing. Yeah, let's just see. So the winning lineup, they played, there you go, Josh Allen, 18.5% owned quarterback. He scored 29.46. So, you know, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen were the two projected most heaviest owned quarterbacks on the slate, and Josh Allen scored almost four times as many points. Man. Then they snuck Cole Beasley in there even. He was the guy for Buffalo tonight. And I know this because another lineup I ran had Emmanuel Sanders, who had a whopping zero. Zero points. Yeah. So they ran a stack here. Um, You don't have to do that in cash games, but if one player is going to get there, you know, typically another player is also going to get there. You just have to pick the right one. Dan Arnold, 43.5% owned chalk tight end. Michael Pittman. 46.2% 46.2% owned receiver. Sheesh. So he had himself a game. He had 30.6 points. And I played him in quite a few lineups. I was really high on him. We just didn't have him in our cash lineup that we built. Cooper Cup, 27.5 points. That's almost a letdown game for him. But he was 16% owned. Godwin, 52.5% owned, 31 points. And then running backs, they also played Darrell Henderson, just like nearly 60% of the league. Michael Carter here, 4% owned, 32 points. $4,900 running back. So that makes sense. I'm actually surprised he was as low owned as he was. And then you come all the way down the defense. So Washington, here is the chalk defense. They came in at 2,100 playing Denver, 49.6% owned. They only had seven points. They didn't have one of those 20-point blow-up games. But when you're saving the salary and then still doubling up the points from the Cleveland Browns like we played, that is a difference maker. So... In these cash games, you know, maybe we do want to get back to playing the cheap defenses, even if they are heavily owned. Yeah, I feel like that makes more sense because then you just go and find a position then that's a lot lower owned, just like they did in this lineup. You yep. find someone that maybe is under that 8% range and go from there. And they had two guys under 10. It's like you have Michael Carter at 4% and then Cole Beasley at 8%. Rest of it, then you're rolling with chalk. I mean, they have... Four guys over 43% own. Yep. And, you know, something that's interesting about this lineup, I'll check the double-ups that I play in, and there have been multiple weeks this year where the winning double-up lineup would have won the Millie Maker contest, but they didn't submit the lineup. And so seeing something like this, I would never submit a lineup in the Millie Maker if it wasn't correlated in some way, if I didn't have a quarterback-receiver stack or even some sort of secondary correlation. So, you know, this player may have thought the same thing. They may have been like, okay, I built my cash lineup, but now, you know what? I want to get a correlation so I can just throw this in the Millie Maker. Cole Beasley coming in at 4,900. Maybe they went down from T. Higgins, who was a chalk receiver, to Cole Beasley. That helped them get the cash to get up to Josh Allen. And then, you know, they obviously sacrificed salary to get down to Michael Carter, but he was a great play at under 5K. He's a workhorse back. 
and he happened to return, you know, 32 points. So I totally get the process. This is really not all that creative in my opinion. And it still scored 218 points, which would have taken down a ton of tournaments. So, I mean, good on them. It's a great lineup. It just, like I said, it's, it's not a galaxy brained lineup. They just played the chalk. They wanted to run a stack and then they got sneaky with Michael Carter. I'm surprised he came in at only 4% owned at that price tag. So, yeah, good lineup. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking earlier, too, on a different contest. It's the same thing here. All of these guys were in our player pool. Yep. It's just a matter of putting them all in the same lineup together. Yeah. Instead of spreading them out into other lineups. That's what's, that's what's tough, but also what's fun about it. It's like mm-hmm. putting a puzzle together. You pare down your player pool, you narrow it down, you get you know a handful of quarterbacks, maybe five to ten running backs, and a couple of tight ends, a couple of defenses, but then you got to make all the pieces fit based on the salary, based on the ownership projections, based on the contest you're playing in. So it, that's the fun of the game, though. That's why we come out. Exactly. I say, that's why we do this, and it's always interesting because when you win, there's nothing better. That's right. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up here for our massive $25 double up review. We'll be back with the Millimaker review here in a second. Baby Jake, we just knocked out the $25 massive double up. Now we're going to hop in here and look at the Millimaking winning lineup. Unfortunately, again, it wasn't ours. But we're going to take a look. We're going to learn from it. So here we go. Let me know your thoughts. The person taking home the Millies got a Bunch of flames, <laughs> whole mess of flames. We'll start up top there with QB, Carson Wentz. He had himself a day, got them into that 20-point range. I feel like with quarterback, it's usually what you're striving for. You need to get 20-plus out of them. And at his <clears> cost, <throat> he returned value. Uh, Carson Wentz, one of the middle, cheaper sort of quarterbacks on the slate at 5,700. He ended up having a pretty good day. Three passing touchdowns, two interceptions. So not great, but you don't lose a ton of points having turnovers compared to you scoring touchdowns. I mean, if you don't score touchdowns, obviously, yeah, that hurts a lot more. But with him having those touchdowns, it made up for his two interceptions for sure. Yeah, and Wentz was a very um, stackable quarterback this week because you had Michael Pittman coming in at 5,300. And then on the other team, you had A.J. Brown coming in at 6,900. A.J. Brown is an alpha receiver. And then you got to remember that Julio Jones got ruled out yesterday or two days ago. So very easy to stack. I ran a lineup where I did a Wentz, Pittman, and Moali Cox in the tight end. Now, Moali Cox ended up with zero points. He didn't do anything. But he's very cheap tight end, and he, he could have caught a touchdown. That's all it takes from him. Moali Cox is good for three to five targets a game. Most of them are red zone looks. So that was the thought there. Tight ends, I usually like to punt and pair with a quarterback, and I wasn't sacrificing a whole lot of projected ceiling. But the Millie Maker lineup, yeah, I love that stack. Wentz, A.J. Brown, Pittman. And to Jake's point, interceptions don't hurt you all that much. You only lose one point, and that interception could lead to a touchdown for the other team, which then would put your quarterback in a position to be passing. So I think we all remember Jameis Winston from a few years ago when he was with the Buccaneers. He was good for 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, and three picks every game. And I was playing him in almost every one of my cash lineups because his interceptions kept his salary low. But I knew what kind of game environment he was going to be in every week. 
He was the 30-30 that year. The 30-30. 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. Yep, exactly. Over 300 yards passing almost every game. And in DraftKings, you get four points for touchdowns and only minus one for tu- or interceptions. So 30-30 is not a bad thing. Heck no. <laughs> With that, too, I guess this Colts <coughs> stack, I want to say probably more people, I'm thinking, ran Tannehill. A Tannehill stack instead of an Indianapolis stack, too. So that definitely helped this lineup out. Going with the Indy, I feel like that was probably the lesser owned one out yeah. of the two. I feel like the Tannehill stack would have been more heavily owned with A.J. Brown and maybe even doubling it with Derrick Henry and then running it back with Pittman. So I, I see why Pittman, his ownership's so high there at 26. Yeah, and I think Jonathan Taylor was a popular play this week. So That as well. The, you don't really like pairing quarterbacks with their own running backs, but in a bring back, you know, Tennessee was playing on the road in Indianapolis. We know Indianapolis likes to run the ball if they can. So a lot of people may have thought that it was going to be uh, Jonathan Taylor grinding it out. Tannehill, A.J. Brown filling the blank, running it back. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Sometimes, too, they have positive correlation. I believe Tannehill and Henry do. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing to look into when you're making these lineups. And you don't feel comfortable doing a running back and a quarterback together. Is just double-checking to make sure their correlation, if it's, if it's positive... Maybe you do want to keep them in the mix then. It's a great point, yeah. And when you look at things case by case like that, you can find leverage because mm-hmm. some people might, they just, it's a rule in their head that they never play a quarterback with a running back. So right away you're creating leverage by going against the grain there. We'll move it along here. Uh, running backs. We got a couple guys there to pick from. I'll have you your uh, pick of the tape there with your guy that you had today. Michael Carter. Yeah, Michael Carter. You know, all week long, Michael Carter and David Johnson, I was, I'm like, okay, these guys are both under 5K starting running backs for their team. I liked them both. Obviously, in our cash lineup we went through earlier, I went with David Johnson. Michael Carter was clearly the pick. 32 points. He's a rookie running back. He's established himself as the bell cow back in that offense. He catches passes, and he looks good. I mean, it isn't just volume. He mm-hmm. looks good. And with the running backs, I thought another thing that was interesting and just a coincidence is they both happen to be rookies. Yeah, that's a great point. You got Elijah Mitchell there for the 49ers. Had himself one heck of a day. Threw up a 22-burger there. Had 137 rush yards and a touchdown. That game, they played Chicago. Game script, we were guessing it'd probably be fairly slow. A little more running than some of the other games on the slate. Both of those teams do like to run the ball first before they pass anyways, too. So Yeah, it's still got to a 55-point total, though. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think Justin Fields finally had himself a day. Quite a bit of it was on the ground. I saw him scrambling for, uh, I don't know if it was a 20- or 30-yard touchdown run. Looked like he was about going you know, to trip over his own feet in the background for a 3- or 4-yard loss, and he just reversed field entirely and got into the end zone. So I think he had himself a good fantasy day as well. Yeah, he, he had a few nice scampers, I said. Yep. Going along here, we got the receiver that everybody knows and loves right now, Cooper Cup. Guy hasn't let anyone down any weeks yet. He's still like 8 for 8, booming right now. Didn't really have any correlations here that I'm seeing. Looked like it was just a one-off sort of play. And then we're following that up there with the stack that we were discussing earlier with the Carson Wentz. Pittman and then running it back with A.J. Brown. 
seems to be the stack that most people wanted right now, I guess. That or, like we had said, I guess the Titans, whichever way. That was a really popular game because I think the total was one of the highest on the slate, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, I think they went to overtime tied at 31, right? So 62 point. Well, before, though, like even the over-under. Oh, even, yeah, yeah, coming into the week. Yeah, I think that was one that we were high on. And I know earlier in the week, Jake and I were looking at the salary differential. And, yeah, Tannehill was one that stood out to us. He was down at 6,600. A.J. Brown, obviously, at 6,900. So really high on that game, too. But in these tournaments, like the Millie Maker, you need to have higher ceilings than what you can get with, like, Tannehill being a $6,600 quarterback and really only having that one pass catcher you can pair him with. Now, like Jake mentioned earlier, you could pair him with Derrick Henry, but with Derrick Henry's salary, then, you know, Tannehill's 6,600, A.J. Brown 6,900. Derrick Henry's coming in at just under 9K, I believe, this week. So just with those three plays alone, you're you're using up so much of your salary, it's tough to make that work. Yeah, sneaking these four nine guys in, that's a big key. If you want to do great things in the Millie Maker with the size being, you know, the Millie Maker is over 200,000 entries, I believe, every week. Yeah. So, I mean... 207,000 entries this week. Yeah. Yep. You need to get a lot of things right, and you also need to have some luck in getting those things right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, you can see here, though, looking at the... Uh, the ownership percentages, Pittman was 26.5% owned. They played Godwin. Godwin was 24.5% owned. And then even at running back, Elijah Mitchell, 11% owned. That's a higher ownership than I was expecting him to have. That was a running back that I liked. I, I really liked him. And I think I've uh, tried to mention his name a few times, Alex Collins, even though Chris Carson has come out. <laughs> but those guys coming in at 53 and 5,400, I thought were were solid value plays where they were coming in at. Um, yeah. Keep it going, Jake. Defense there, I feel like that just makes sense. Seattle, as far as that ownership wasn't higher. I mean, only coming in at five, and you got them going against Jacksonville. I know Seattle's defense has not been the greatest this year, but when you're playing Jacksonville's offense, that, it's kind of like what I said the other episode. Jacksonville's one of those teams, they can't do anything right. Mm-hmm. They don't do anything right, so really you're never going to do anything wrong. <laughs> Yeah, I really thought that Seattle was going to be the chalk defense on the slate. They were coming in at 2,800, and kind of like we've been talking about, we like targeting those upper 2K, low 3K defenses, and it seems like the rest of the field has kind of gone the same way throughout the season. So I really thought the Seahawks coming in at 2,800, you get the best of both worlds. You're kind of going like bargain shopping, Mm -hmm. but it's also they were higher priced than the Washington football team defense at 2,100. So I'm really surprised that they came in at 5% owned. I guess people were either going down to Washington or up to Cleveland. Or yeah, it seemed to be the play of the field this week. Like we saw in that other contest, Washington, which now I'm thinking, like, I bet most people had our mindset. Like everyone's been going, oh, like up or two, 2K defenses lately. Maybe we should go back to the low ball our defense and just punt it. Yep. Yeah, well, we really a punt, though. I mean, the Washington-Denver matchup, you're, it's pretty favorable for Washington. Denver's offense can't do anything. Yeah, and Washington's defense, they put pressure on the opposing quarterback. It's just they've played some of the elite quarterbacks in the league and some high-powered offenses. So statistically, people see how many points they give up, and and I don't know, people think that they should target the Washington defense. But I thought that the Washington defense was a good play this week, especially at their price. Yeah, Seattle at 2,800. I I guess I thought a lot of people would be playing Seattle at 2,800 or Cleveland at 3,000. Um, I'm not sure how heavily owned Buffalo was. Buffalo came in at 3,300. That was another defense I liked. 
And then Cincinnati playing the Jets at 3,600. That was a defense that I liked, even though I don't think that they had a very good game just based on the oh, the real-life outcome. I think it was 34-31 for that game. Yeah, so unless they had a few turnovers, I can't imagine they had a good fantasy outing. Well, yeah, I mean, Michael Carter goes to show. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But with a fantasy defense, I mean, if you get a, a pick six or a couple turnovers, you know, that's really what you're looking for with fantasy defenses. Obviously, in real life, they lost to the Jets. That's a bad showing for a defense. They gave up 30 points to the Jets. So uh, let's take a look here. The number two team in the Millie Maker. What do we got that's different? We got Bill's defense and Arnold in at tight end. And everything else is the exact same. Yeah, that's it. Across the board. So they played the... Uh, and Dan Arnold was only 10% owned here in the Millie Maker. He was a very heavily owned chalk tight end in cash lineups, but obviously in these large field tournaments, people want to avoid that. Essentially what you're thinking in your head is, is Dan Arnold in the winning lineup X percent of the time? If the main slate happens a thousand times, what percent of that is Dan Arnold in the winning lineup? So when we're building cash lineups, we want to see how heavily owned players are expected to be. And then we either want to stay up with the field or get contrarian to beat the field but when it comes to building tournament lineups, it doesn't really matter all that much how much players are owned. It's, are they owned enough? Are they owned too much? Are they not owned enough? That's really how you need to look at it. You might have someone who's 50% owned, and you might tell yourself, like, this guy's going to be in, he would be in 70% of the winning lineups. So even though he's coming in at 50% owned, he's still under-owned. I'm still going to play him. Mm -hmm. That's the mindset you need to have when you're building these large field tournaments. You're just going for the highest points possible. You need more points than everyone else. And obviously you need a unique lineup, but you don't want to get too cute and too contrarian and then end up, yeah, you know, not don't, even getting in the money. Don't look at names. Look at numbers. Be a nerd. Be a nerd. Fantasy nerds brought to you by Fantasy Bros. Uh, here we are on the third lineup. You got Tom Brady, Nick Chubb, Michael Carter, Keenan Allen. So this is a little different. You still have the core pieces, though. The A.J. Brown-Michael Pittman correlation, I have a feeling that they're going to be in nearly every cashing yeah. lineup this week. Dan Arnold, you know, chalk but return value. And 10% isn't chalk like we were saying. And then Godwin, almost 24%, almost 25% on, so a quarter of the field. But when he returns 31 points, that's fine. You just got to get different elsewhere, which they did with Michael Carter and Nick Chubb. Yeah, Nick Chubb. And Snowflake even, man. This is really what did it for him. It's their man. defense, yeah. That, that's what changes a lot of lineups. If you can get a, the top defense for the week, that can get you winning contests. And I know we've seen it a lot this season, too, is like the teams that win are the teams or the lineups that have the teams that have the best defense that are putting up like 17 plus points. And the Eagles D, they were the play today. 21 points. Absurd to get that from a defense. Yep. And they were only $2,700 and 2% owned, 2.8. So that's one of those teams. Some people were playing Seattle at you know twenty eight hundred. Other people were trying to get down to Washington. Well, you get the Eagles right here in the middle, twenty one points. Yeah, that's really the difference maker here because there's nothing else unique. Bird gang, I just gotta do that quick. I say <laughs> bird gang. That's my squad. So I gotta get some love for them. That's every a squad, now and, then. and I think I said earlier in the week that I wouldn't be afraid to take Detroit money line. But obviously, you know, that I heard a that bad from pick. so many people this week, and. I'm an Eagles fan, but I was like, I understand. I'm like, the Lions have played a lot of good teams really close. A lot of good teams really close. Yeah, so this is big if you're an Eagles fan. Going on the road and winning 44-6. I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing. 
to go an NFL team to go into someone else's house and win forty four to six. That's a statement game. So and just ghetto stomp them like that. Oh man, <clears throat> good for them. We'll just take a look here. Quick peek. Here's another uh, Josh Allen Cole Beasley. So this was like we looked at the highest scoring lineup in the twenty five dollar massive double up that we looked at mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah, you got that stack. Darrell Henderson, Michael Carter. Michael Carter has been kind of a constant here in these winning lineups. Darrell Henderson, 22.6%, so pretty heavily owned. I'm sure Godwin's in here too. Yeah. Godwin, Dan Arnold, Michael Pittman. There's that D we were talking about. Say Washington D. That was the chalk for defense this yeah. week. Seven points. So they weren't necessarily the ones that got it done, but at that price at 2100 it allows you to jam in these other guys. This is, I mean, this lineup came in fourth overall in the Millie Maker. And I'm looking at it, Josh Allen, most heavily owned quarterback. Darrell Henderson, most heavily owned running back. He stacked Josh Allen with Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, almost 13% owned. With Dawson Knox going out, a lot of people are high on him. Dan Arnold, the chalk tight end, 10%. Godwin, chalk receiver, 25%. I mean, this is unbelievable to me. It really just looks like Michael Carter was the difference maker. Even Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is someone almost 15% owned, and everyone knows Cooper Cup. That's not someone that we see in a lineup and are surprised. We might fade him because of the price, but that's not someone that would surprise you to be in a lineup. So I'm looking at these lineups at the top. They aren't all that creative, but they got there, and that's all that matters. So again, don't get too cute. Mm. Don't tinker too much. Just play good plays. Score a lot of points. Win money. Do those things. <laughs> we're all still, of them. We're still learning how to do that too, though. Yeah, we're, we're trying to, you know... <laughs> Just learn the process, get better at it, fine-tune it, but hey, all in due time. That's right. So I think that's going to do it for the Millie Maker review. Um, thanks for hanging out with us this Sunday night. We had a lot of fun. Wish we would have a little more money, but there's always next week. As so, always. yeah, on that note, like the video, subscribe to the page, hit the notification bell, listen to the podcast, like, listen, share, whatever you can do to help us out. We're having a blast doing this. We want to keep this going. So, on that note, we'll be back with the uh, lines and spreads. We'll look at DK salaries on Tuesday night, and we'll let you guys know where we're at. Peace. Thanks for hanging with the bros. Let's go.